Hello and welcome. My name is Christopher Chandler. And my name is Chris Shower. And, and we, we are, are Generally, generally American. American. In our podcast, we discuss events, culture, whatever else we want from a generally American perspective. From our differing viewpoints, our goal is that we can offer others and ourselves nuanced opinions on fascinating topics related to the U.S. We invite you to be part of the discussion, and we hope that you'll stick around to see where the conversation takes us. So let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back, or welcome, <laughs> to the final episode of this season. So Chris and I have been on this season for about um, a year and a half now, maybe a little bit longer. And in that time, Chris and I have talked about a variety of topics, from economics to the 4th of July to public spaces to culture, politics generational differences and so on and so forth so chris and i have really touched on a variety of different topics with that being said we're ready to end this season and start a new one but before we start a new one chris and i will be taking a break for about six or seven weeks he's very busy and i'll be in france among other things so we won't have time to sit down and record any new episodes for a while. But don't worry, we're not going anywhere, we're just taking a break, and we'll be back before you know it. We would like to take this time out to thank everyone for listening to our episodes, for giving us comments, questions, feedback, and just supporting us in general. So we really appreciate all of our listeners, even those who don't necessarily reach out to us, We appreciate you all, and we thank you all for your support. So please enjoy the final episode of the season. And we're live. We are. Welcome back, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely doing pretty good. Um, Not enjoying the weather. (laughs) Not enjoying the weather at all, to be honest. No, are are you getting a slice of that... uh... Hottest recorded uh, summer in human history. Oh my god, it's it's so terrible, it really is. So, I mean, a lot of other countries in Europe they have it a lot a lot worse. So I know in Italy, parts of Greece, uh, Croatia, um, North Africa, obviously that's not part of Europe, but it's you know it's still close. And they're they're pushing like a hundred like 110, 120 degrees. Uh, so it's it's pre- pretty hot here. Um, it's not that bad in Germany, thank thank God. But, you know, it, it got up there to, like, the upper 90s. So, and, and that, like, everyone knows, I'm super sensitive. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's about where we're at right now. I think today's the high of 99. Supposed to keep that high for a few days. We've had a pretty mild summer over here, but we're finally getting our slice of it. It, it was really weird over here hearing... You know, the especially, I think it was like a week or two ago, they were saying it was like the hottest t- stretch of 10 or 11 days in recorded history. And it was so mild here. It was weird. Because normally our, our summers here are pretty brutal. But it's, until now, it's not really been that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people in general here are very sensitive when it comes to weather. But I'm definitely very sensitive. And I just have a fan that pushes the heat back and forth, back and forth. 
I know Canada is suffering pretty badly. I think they have like a lot of uh, wildfires. A lot of that's going into New York and parts of Illinois, I believe. Like yeah. A lot of the, lot, not the fires, but a lot of the smoke. And it's the same here in, um, I think, Greece. So Greece is suffering pretty extremely, too, because of the weather. So they have a lot of wildfires, unfortunately. We don't have here any yet, but um, who knows? <laughs> that usually <laughs> happens over here, like, one or two times a year. You just don't hear about it as much because... I think it was a much bigger deal because it was like New York, Philly, all these super populated cities it happened to. And everyone was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Uh, but that happens over here all the time. So I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just I, I and, you know, it is a serious health issue, but it was kind of weird. Like, why is this in the new? This just happens. Canada sets on fire and the smoke comes on down and that's just how it is. But. Yeah, in in terms of also nature news, I don't know if you if you read the news or heard what happened in Berlin over the past couple of days. Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, uh, so so this it uh, happened I think like two or three days ago, and someone in Berlin thought that they saw a lion roaming the streets, and they thought that a lion had escaped from the the local zoo, and there's like this massive. Uh, search for a lion there were like 300 police officers uh, helicopters tanks um, well actually they weren't tanks but they were armored vehicles and they spent like two or three days looking for this lion and uh, they never found it they never found the lion and it turns out that there was a like some miscommunication or misinformation and it wasn't actually um, a lion but a wild boar <laughs> oh my god yeah and so the the police are pretty mad because they pretty much went on a wild goose chase and uh yeah, they never found a lion. Um, okay, but the armored vehicle part was unnecessary. Yeah, a lot of that. It was that just screams like we have this thing and we never have an excuse to use it. So we're using it on Lion Day. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they told everyone to to stay inside, lock your doors, don't go outside. There's a lion. Um, I don't know if it was a man-eating lion, but I, honestly, it doesn't really matter. Actually, it was a lioness, so it was a female lion. And supposedly it was a female lion. I don't know how you, how they knew that. Um, but I think there was like some video footage from some concerned citizen that thought he had saw a lion, and I thought it was pretty, pretty suspicious actually because you'd notice if that was missing from the zoo. I think it would be obvious, you know, because they keep track of their animals. But yeah, so it just goes to show that you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't jump to conclusions when you read the news. Um, but yeah. Well, yeah you know what wrapping back to what we were discussing real quick with the hottest weather in history and going mm -hmm. to where we are going <clears throat> which is uh the most recent uh strikes and unions in general it is a pretty unfortunate time for people to have to be outside picketing yeah 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 so that that's that's the the, the bi-weekly weather report in report yeah so talking about striking in general yeah so i think they're all so do you know the reason why they're striking so why they're why the why the writers are striking actually so the writers i mean in general it's just for more pay and better conditions so writing and acting is not really consistent work it's really hard to support yourself and 
I know actors for sure, but and I, I believe writers as well. A lot of them have second and third jobs just to keep themselves afloat in the lull. Because, mm. you know, there are people out there kind of pursuing their dreams. And if they're in Los Angeles, that's a very expensive city to live in. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, I mean, Los Angeles is one of the most expensive cities. I don't know if in the world, um, but definitely like within the context of the U.S. I mean, at the very least, it's got to be like top 20 in the world. Probably higher. Yeah. Um... I guess with writers and actors in general, I wonder if there is a lot of, uh, like, support for them. Because the idea is, you know, they make a lot of money, they're living the high life, the fancy life, um, so what's the problem if they earn, like, a, you know, less money? But I think that kind of misses the whole point if you, if you go at it from that kind of angle. Well, and it's just wrong. Well, so of course the, it's wrong. Yeah, yeah. so, like, the, the SAG-AFTRA Actors Guild... <clears throat> they uh they have uh, a healthcare benefit as part of their union and to uh oh why am i missing this word to be eligible for it mm. you need to make something like $26,000 a year in acting <clears throat> and i think it's something like 86 87% of members do not qualify for it like oh wow the majority of them are not making that much money Again, they're just like they're trying to get their foot in the door in the industry. They're taking little whatever jobs they can, and then they're working second or third jobs to keep afloat and try and pursue the acting thing. So yeah, you you see and hear like these big, you know, blockbuster name big name recognition people actors talk, and a lot of people say they're hypocritical when they kind you know stand with the with the union, but they're just they're just kind of being a face for it. it they're they're you know they're showing solidarity to help out the others yeah and i think that's the most the, the most important point actually um so there's there's this really famous poem from like world war ii i want to see if i can find it really quick because i can't think of it off the top of my head um give me one second Uh, okay, so basically, within this is pretty this is pretty extreme actually, and you know, for for whatever reason, you always kind of make the the connection to World War Two, but in the context of what you said, I think it was very appropriate. So there's this poem that was written by this pastor who basically basically questioned or answered why should you know, uh, like I stand up for like the Jews, and the poem is is pretty simple. So it's First they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. And so, you know, that I think that's kind of like the same thing here where you have, like, a lot of, like, the bigger names. I think Sarah Silverman was was actually on the news recently i'm not exactly sure speaking out you know for like the the less fortunate actors yeah and and i'm <clears throat> she's probably in both unions i bet you uh, a lot of people with more comedic backgrounds um are in both because they've done writing on shows too yeah and 
I think a lot of this does come out to pay, um, come back to pay, and I think it's you know AI encroaching and AI slowly creeping its way into every possible section or sector of life, and I, I think that's one of their biggest concerns is them being replaced by AI, which I don't. Oh, it's think, awful. Yeah, I mean, I understand the fear, but I wonder if it's actually realistic. Oh, but it you, is. You really think so? So, I don't know if you heard this, so mm-hmm. they have already offered, so you know how they have background actors in movies and shows, just there mm-hmm. to make it a more realistic scene? They have tried offering those actors a single day of pay uh, for their likeness, so that they can just use AI to throw them into everything. Oh. Like, that, that is an actual thing that was proposed. Yeah, like, they, a... are, they are trying to, they do not want to pay actors, they want to pay as few people as possible it's getting bad i think we're kind of partly to blame for that though because if you if you go back i think like 30 or 40 years ago um if you wanted to have something you would have to pay for it up front each and every time so if you wanted to have like a new movie you'd have to pay for that if you wanted to have like a new cd you'd have to pay for that and so on and so forth whereas now everything is really just streamed so i'll stream music i'll stream books like you know at kindle unlimited or I'll stream uh, movies, you know, HBO and whatnot. And so less and less of that money gets to the actors, you know. So I think this is kind of um, a problem of our own making to to a certain extent. You know, I still think that the, yeah, the studios it, are wrong. Yeah, it's also a studio issue. So I, I only recently learned about this, but apparently Steven Spielberg has been banging this drum for like a decade. Uh, he was talking about how the price of films is like going exponentially up like they're getting crazy expensive to make and they're charging more at movie theaters and it's like you're gonna hit a point where people you know they're gonna go see one or two movies a year and that's it and it's all gonna collapse and that's kind of what's what we're seeing happening is uh the new indiana jones film didn't really do well uh there was another major film that came out recently that's that i'm blanking on that didn't do very well um, and, and they're just so expensive to make. Like, you have to have so many people to see it to even break even. They spend, and they spend about half their budget on marketing. You know, you make a $650 million movie, that's, that's a lot of butts and seats to pay for it. Yeah, 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 it really is. Um, I think because people are so enamored with this new technology, not like ChatGPT, but like, you know, CGI and whatnot. Um, and of course, that that makes the movie a lot more expensive. I think Avatar, you know, they, they spent a pretty penny on that. I don't know, probably like $800 million. But I mean, the, the movie made $2 billion, But not every movie can do that. So No, and, I, and how many years did that take? Yeah. <laughs> how much money did yeah. it take? I mean, it definitely made money, but oh my god. I think the the days are over where you'd spend maybe like 3 or 4 or 5 or 10 million dollars on a movie and then make, you know, 200 million on that. Th- those are just those days are gone and over. So, um I I know there are still studios that try that. Um I can't remember it, but there is this uh there's this horror film production company. And, like, their whole model, they have, like, a shotgun business model. Like, hey, mm. we're going to finance tons and tons and tons of these low and medium um, 
uh, cost movies. And, you know, horror movies traditionally don't make a lot of money, but they pretty consistently do turn a profit if they're not horrible, just because horror fans are pretty dedicated. But you shotgun blast all these cheap movies out there, and if one of them does really well, then it's all worth it. Yeah, I think the biggest one, um, the biggest example of that would probably be like the Blair Witch Project, um, which is a super, you know, a super old movie from like the 90s, but it was like a sleeper hit. I, I think that movie's from the 70s. It, no, it's not from the 70s. Are you sure it's from the 70s? I gotta double check. That's that's the found footage film, right? Yeah. The Blair... I'm pretty sure that's from the 70s. Let me check. I gotta double check. I might be wrong, but we, we should find out, but I'm pretty sure it's the 70s. Uh, so the Blair Witch Project is from 1999. <laughs> what? It is. What? What am I thinking of? There's, there's a, there's The a, Shining, like, maybe. No, there's like this really, really old classic found footage movie. Like it, it was like kind of the progenitor of the whole genre. Yeah, but the, um, but like the Blair Witch Project, that's was pretty low key. Like it, you know, like this whole like low budget thing, and then you make a lot of money, um, and. I think those kind of movies are kind of over with. So, like, the Blair Witch Project, it, it earned about... Two, they, so, it had a budget of about a million dollars, and it made about $250 million, which is fantastic. Um, You don't really have that anymore. Except for, like, you know, like, Star Wars or, like, Avatar, like, the established franchises, I want to say. Um, and that's where, like, a lot of the money is. Um, If you go to, like, video games, for example... They're doing the same thing. So they're not really um, focused on making video games. They're focused on making a franchise and then just sticking with that. Because um, that's where the money is, unfortunately. True, but here's all. Here's also an interesting parallel. There are studios that do also attempt a shotgun approach. However, it's with big budget mm. uh, games. So they're, we're kind of tangenting, so I'll wrap this up quick. There are games out there that are designed to have players log in every day, uh, kind of keep them hooked, and hopefully keep them spending. And if a studio makes ten of them, and nine of them die, but one of them gets really big, you're making so much money off that game, it's probably worth it. Um, again, they're way more expensive than movies to make these days if you're going for the big budget ones, so... It's 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 more of a gamble, but that is kind of what they're pursuing. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, unless you had another thought, um, no, 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 I was done. I was done. Okay, I I do want to pivot back towards the striking and relating mm-hmm. it to the heat. So I don't know if you heard this, and it's uh, of course there's a history in um, of of uh, you know capital owners and uh unionists and labor in general uh kind of going at each other and the capital owners tending to be a little sleazy about it um i learned in california there are weird laws regarding trees at least in los angeles so you can have trees on your property and you can have permits to like take care of them and stuff but i don't believe you strictly own them so there were trees outside of a location um, on studio property, I believe, or just outside studio property, maybe on the sidewalk, that uh, people were picketing at. And the studio came out and cut the trees down because it was providing shade to, to the picketers. 
<laughs> but they weren't allowed to do that. That was against the law. But, you know, maybe something will happen because it's California, but there's a good chance this is just going to be a wrist slap and they would have, you know, they would have done it again. We, we actually have the same law here, too, by the way. Um, you're not actually allowed to cut down trees unless you have, like, permission from the government, even if it's on your own property. Um, and if you oh, do cut that's it... interesting. Yeah, I mean, don't anyone quote me. Like, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure in most circumstances, you're not allowed to just cut down a tree. Um, and I do think a lot of cities register, like, where the trees are, who owns the trees, like, on what property they are. And if you cut the tree down, um, you have to get a, give a reason. Like, it's near, I don't know. Um, it's, it's probably dead or it's going to fall into your house or whatever. Or there was a storm and the tree's, you know, dying. But then you have to replace the tree. You have to plant a new one. Um I'm pretty sure that's that's how it works in a lot of countries here. I know that's how it works here. Um, so if you just cut down a tree, <laughs> like, they'll come after you for that. Wow, that um, is very bizarre to me. I mean, it's, it's probably an overall net good, but it's clashing with that part of my brain. It's like, it's my property. If I want to cut down this tree, I'm going to cut down this tree. No one's yeah. going to tell me no. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a story for another day, but, like, property and ownership here are, are definitely very different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I do feel for the actors. I do feel for the writers. Um, and uh, what's the guy's name? Adam something. He had, like, his own show where he... Oh, go- uh, the Adam Ruins Everything guy. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I couldn't think of the whole name. Yeah, and so he, I saw like a lot of shorts or TikToks from him saying, you know, how the studio wants them to give in. The studio is hoping that the writers will quit by October because that's when like a lot of the new movies start and they'll have to go back to work. And if they don't go back to work, they won't earn uh, earn any money. But a lot of the actors live off of funds. So like all, like, like uh, union funds and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, like, I can't remember which one. One of the studio heads is, like, a monster. He was saying, like, you know, I guess we just waited out until these people yeah. lose their houses or something like that. And I'm like, how do you just casually say that? <laughs> like, what kind of horrible person do you have to be to even say that? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what, that's what Adam was commenting on, that one of the CEOs had said that we'll just, you know, bleed them dry, basically. So, that they have the majority of the power so they being the studios and the actors will eventually come crawling back to them but i don't think they can really go back because it sets a precedent which basically means that if they give up now then this is how it's going to be for basically ever and i think the biggest problem is that they're worried about being phased out which which is what you basically said at the very beginning with them being replaced by uh, like AI. Um, well, and it's a lot of other, I mean, that's, that's a component, but I think mm-hmm. honestly right now, I think that's a smaller thing. Like the average working actor just isn't compensated fairly and residuals and things like that aren't really up to standard anymore. Um, I, I don't think, I, I think in the last, I, I heard someone talk about this in the last writer's strike and, an actor strike, they or no it would have been writer's strike we actually haven't had an actor strike in a very long time this is kind of weird i think the last one was in the 80s wasn't it yeah so it would have been the last writer's strike it was uh like you know in the mid 2000s ish somewhere in Mm -hmm. there 
and streaming services were kind of just getting off the ground. And I, they were talking about how the studios were trying to get the union to concede some stuff on what they wanted from streaming services, and they, the union fought really hard to keep that stuff because they saw it as a potential, you know, big thing in the future, mm. and they didn't want it to just be a tiny thing they didn't make any money off of. Yeah, I, I don't think, like in general, whether it's, like, musicians or writers or actors or, or whatever, that they've really benefited from, like, this whole streaming model. I think the I think the only people who benefit from this model are the customers and the studios or the producers. I don't think the people who actually make the content really make that much money off of it. It's just, it's just, it's just not a good model in that terms, but, I mean... People have gotten so used to it. I don't know how you would introduce a better model because no one's going to pay like $300 a month or something. Right. Although it's not as nearly as good for the consumer as it used to be. Although that's that's a that's a whole nother story. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Teamsters mm-hmm. might be striking very soon. So as we record this, it is the 22nd of July. And I believe the negotiating deadline specifically for UPS is, I think it's August 1st. So if there's not a deal done by August 1st, um, it's strike time. And I, I believe it's mostly for UPS terms, but I believe the whole union would strike because that's how it works. Like, why, why would it be a giant union if they didn't all support each other like that? Mm. And what's actually, uh, so I actually have two friends that work at UPS, so I kind of, uh, I kind of get to hear things. So we were hanging out a few days ago, and he had an email sent to his phone that, uh, the union and UPS were sitting back down to negotiate again. So it's possible this won't go to strike. It's possible. Uh, and if they just get their demands met, that's probably for the best for everyone, uh, but I won't lie. A part of me does want to see, see a strike go on, just to, just to really grind things to a halt and really drive home the point of how how important the workers are. And I think that's what it all comes back to is understanding how important the people are and them being compensated fairly. Um, it's a it's a never ending battle. And it's definitely an uphill battle. And once more, I think it's a lot harder in the U.S. to to strike in general and to find support whether that's like from like the companies or from like the public because you always hear about um you know the postal workers going on strike or like teachers going on strike now you have the writers strike um i think what i think in december the railway workers went on strike i believe um and it's just yeah and then joe biden made it illegal which i think is one of the most unforgivable things as do i yeah, and I think because of that, a lot of the railroad workers actually left the industry. So, and up until, honestly, I'll, I'll be honest with you, up until the strike, I didn't really realize how important the railway workers were to the U.S. So, that's also a good point, is to provide visibility, to show, you know, we're here and, you know, we help keep this country afloat, alive, whatever you want to call it. Whereas, like, here in Germany, I mean... You have the same problem 
as well. So a lot of American companies aren't really keen on the workers forming a union. Very interesting but sad example was, I think it was in New York where a lot of the baristas at a Starbucks got together and formed a union, and then they shut. Then Starbucks just shut down that uh, that store, so then their union was basically gone. Um, workers at Amazon have been trying forever to form unions, but that really hasn't panned out. The unions in Germany are much stronger. I would say much much stronger than those in the U.S. But still, you know, no one really likes unions. No one really likes workers getting together. Um, but yeah, and, you know, I've never part had of the a strike. Un- yeah, neither have I. Part I've been in a union before, and part of the unfortunate image unions have, especially here, is realistically there's some bad unions. Mm-hmm. So I was in the. Uh, when I worked for a grocery store, I was in the grocers union, and thinking back, like I was paid horribly. The only real good benefits we had was if you weren't working on a holiday, you got paid a full day anyway, or if you're working that holiday, you just worked got overtime for the whole day. Mm. Like that was good. There were some protections in place, but they were like bare, bare, bare bones, like just reasonable stuff that you wouldn't honestly need a union for usually uh and you know they took a chunk of your paycheck every time so a lot of people are like you know all unions do is garnish my pay what's the point and realistically some unions are like that but as a whole society is much better when we're organized yeah yeah i think that's, that's a common complaint that a lot of people um here in the u.s maybe outside the u.s not so much but I think one of the common criticisms that employers launch against unions is don't don't be part of the union. Um, they garnish your wages, um, which, I mean, honestly, it's true. I mean, they do take part of your money, but how else are you supposed to fund the union? Um, yep. The, but, but that's not the problem. The problem is, is it worth it? You know, if they take 2% of my pay, do I get more back in protection? And uh, I don't know, will we go on strike? Are they going to have my back? So that's that's the you know it's a, it's the cost benefit analysis that you have to do. So is is the juice worth the squeeze kind of thing? Well, and statistically, um, union members make more. Like long term, they're going to negotiate better pay for you. And I can see that. I, I mean, I haven't ever worked in a trade uh, where the uh, where I'd had to be part of a union. That's more, I think more of a thing in in the U.S. Like if you work as a welder or like a bricklayer. Or construction, I know they have a lot of unions, um, but I think that's a very sensitive topic, <laughs> is should you be in the union or should you not be in the union? Um, I've heard opinions from both sides, people who have been part of the industry, not part of the industry, um, so it's not a question that you should really ask <laughs> unless you know the person very well, I would say. It's kind of like politics and religion. You know. I don't know. These days, I I wanna I'd I'd like to pressure everyone into a union just because mm-hmm. I feel like we've lost so many worker protections and benefits here. But that's why, honestly, I've been excited to see the whole strike thing happen. Uh, also, something I learned about, and and I don't know how universal this is, uh, but when your when your union, at least when the Teamsters strike, they pay they still pay people. So you have to show up to picket, and you're going to get a percentage of your normal wage. 
it's not as good as like showing up for work, but it's a good way to keep people, you know, afloat. And obviously, you're mobilizing pe- people. Hmm. I th- I think that might be similar here, but honestly, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you have to be visible. So if you're on strike but no one sees you, well, then are you really on strike? <laughs> yeah. So that, that 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 kind of thing. So I get the logic of that. Um, and it's good we enforce it because honestly, in the age of the internet, we've all kind of gotten comfortable with uh, you know we we say things online, we get mad, and we're oh I'm not gonna buy this anymore, or I'm not gonna do this anymore, and then they do because <laughs> it's all about jumping online and just you know venting your feelings but there's no meaningful action taken um, yeah that's true i found out there's a term for that i don't know if you know the term i've heard it before but it, as it, it's not coming to mind right now so virtue signaling so that's a, a fancy there, there term. is that there's another term for it is like there another term for that I, th- I think i mean i i've been struggling for words all, all morning so maybe don't trust <laughs> me but i feel like there is <laughs> But I, I definitely feel that, that that is like, oh my god, that's so terrible, um, you know, thoughts and prayers and all that fun jazz. But it, it, I mean, you have people have to see you, so yeah. that's that's one thing I've come to appreciate um, after you know, you know, the pandemic and all that is actually seeing people, actually talking, being being present, being physical. There's nothing that can actually replace that. And I don't think there ever will. So even like with the metaverse and AI and virtual reality or AR augmented reality, there's nothing that really actually beats being physically near someone, you know. But that's that's a topic for for another day. Um, True. I I will say though, if the uh, if the UPS strike does happen and I'm able to, I do plan on going down, and mm. I, I don't know, I don't know how it works if they, if I'm even allowed to, but I would like to go down, at least support the, the picketers, I think that'd be fun, maybe bring some water or something. Yeah, definitely do that, it's always like the lowest rung of the society, it's always like the, like, you know, the, the common workers, I want to say, like the postal workers, the teachers, um, people who are just trying to get by, so and th- that's what kind of breaks my heart is they're just fighting for basic decency, so like basic. Well, I won't say basic, but you know, justified compensation, like adequate compensation, right. adequate like, rights. Honestly, we've been getting by on basic for far too long. Like, our the effective pay of the American worker has gone down so far. Our buying power is like nothing. Like it's time to start fighting for a little bit better than basic. Yeah, that's true. And it's really difficult to actually talk about this kind of stuff because once you move into the territory where we're at right now in this conversation, you get accused of being a socialist. You get accused of being, you know, being a communist or whatnot. I'm okay with that. You, well, I mean, I don't have a problem with it either. Um, I'm of the opinion that most people who use that term as an insult don't actually know what it means. Um, it's just like it's a scary word they've heard, so they're just going to use it. They're not really interested, you know, in the actual meaning of the word. Um, so I, I get I get I get that as an, I don't want to say as an insult a lot <laughs> when I'm in the U.S. But you know um, I've I've grown used to it. But it it comes I think it comes out of the cost. Like if you have more protections for people, you know obviously the government has more control over what you say, over what you do, how you live your life, and that's very I would I would say anti-American. Like it's, well. 
Yes and no. I mean, there's a difference between, like, federal and state protections and, like, negotiated union protections. Like, they have a contract. And that there's the government has nothing to do with that then. If, if the union says, hey, uh, okay. we've decided um, <clears throat> nobody can use a ladder on this job site higher than 15 feet tall because blah, 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 the odds of you taking a fall and being seriously injured are, you know, the, the government has nothing to do with that. That's true, but then it always goes back to I kind of what you said about the you know cutting down the tree and it being on your property. Um, and then it's like, well, if I want to get on a ladder and fall down and hurt myself, that's none of your business. And I think that's also one of the issues is as soon as you introduce some kind of like regulation, even you know to help people, people are going to fight you every step of the way. So whether that's on a federal level or like on a private level with like a contract. Um, People want their freedom, whatever that means. <laughs> and anything that infringes upon that, or if they feel like it infringes upon that, the feeling is enough, then, you know, uh, all bets are off. So, which I would say is a lot is, is a lot more intensive in the U.S. than it is, like, here in Germany. I think people are a lot more willing to trust the government than Americans are, or, like, willing to trust people regulating their lives not necessarily the government however i will say on that note it's because of the pandemic you know trust is slowly but surely kind of falling by the wayside yeah it's a it's a very weird very weird time in history in regards to that i think i don't i don't know for for better and worse people are very skeptical and mis- not trusting right now. De- definitely not. So, like, mistrust, I think, is the is the biggest thing when it comes to, like, unions. Um, that people just don't trust them. That That's the problem. Or maybe it's not that people don't trust them, but, but a lot of the companies want to so mistrust, you know? Like, the company has your best interest in mind, not the union. So the company is good, the union is bad. And that's pretty much the way it's been for... I think all of history. <laughs> That's right. how people kind of feel about unions. Um, it's one of those things, though. Companies wouldn't hire specialty companies millions of dollars to come in and union bust if they didn't think their workers were were unionizing. Like, it's gonna cost companies a lot of money if their com- if their employees unionize because they're gonna have to compensate their employees better and they're gonna be treated better. Statistically, like like I said, I'm sure there's some not great ones out there, but statistically, um, you are better off in a union than out of a union. And like ignoring fringe cases, uh, companies mm. know that, and they are they're gonna sink a lot of money into making sure workers don't do that. So to me, that says something that that tells me it's worth it's worthwhile. Yeah, and I, I think it's you have to be careful to generalize, but uh, as someone on the outside looking in. I definitely feel like you would be better off being part of a group that supports you. But, you know, you have to do your due diligence. You really have to research and and see if this interest really fits you or this group really fits you. And if it really does have your best interest um, at heart or in mind, um, I definitely don't think the companies do. Like, not like these major companies, you know, like Amazon or Apple or Google I definitely don't think they have your best interest in mind. <laughs> so in, in, in that respect, I definitely do feel like you would probably be better off being in some sort of group that protects you. 
As for like the smaller companies like mom and pop shops, um, I think maybe being a unit is probably questionable um, at such a low level. But, you know, who knows? I think it's more like a, well, like a personal question. Right. And it also depends on, like, how mom and pop are we talking? Are yeah. we talking a small store that hires one or two people to stand at the counter? If that's the case, it's pretty reasonable to advocate for yourself and negotiate. And you either get what you want or you leave. Yeah. Uh, that, is it like a workforce of ten people? Eh, it, it could make sense. Yeah. And I think there are some, like, federal laws about that. But I think... You're, you're probably once you're no longer in the position to advocate for yourself, then maybe something like a union, you know, then it may probably makes sense. But if it's only like two or three people, I don't really see the benefit in like joining a union because you can just do it yourself. You know, that's the whole point of a union is that you can't do it yourself. Um, but I do believe here in Germany, if you go on strike as part of a union, uh, you do get paid. I don't know what, like, the pay scheme is, though. I don't know how they really, you know, regulate all of that. But you do get money. I, I um, imagine it's union to union. But they're always on strike here. Like, all the time. Um, like, the postal workers strike at least twice a year. So do, like, the railway workers. The pilots, they're always on strike. Teachers don't strike here. Um, not, like, in the U.S. Because, a lot, because, unlike in the U.S., a lot of the teachers are directly employed by the state and have tenure which means in germany if you have tenure you can't actually go on strike you're not legally allowed to uh so you don't actually have like a lot of teacher strikes here but you know they they still make their voices heard and show their grievances in other ways but they don't actually go on strike um i always feel like teachers in the u.s are always on strike i mean more power to them you you hear more about it but Mm. uh here like in town, I don't. Th- I wasn't in high school yet when the last strike happened, so that was like twenty-ish years ago. Hmm. Maybe maybe seventeen-ish somewhere in there. Like it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of like teachers or like strikes in general. Uh, teachers. Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know if I've ever experienced one. I always hear about them on the news, but I've never actually been affected by one where I didn't go to school because there was a strike. Um, that definitely that's... did happen here. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I, it didn't affect one of my schools because I, mm-hmm. I was in a private school at the time. But I knew people who they had to like do some school days into summer because of the strike. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're slowly coming to a close i think we can bring this full circle so what do you think will be like the result of you know the writer's strike so like if they get their way if they don't get their way like how do you think this will affect the industry as a whole like if you had to like you know give your best guess like how do you think it would would affect Uh, the industry well obviously it's gonna take some time because making um you know filming editing and releasing a product takes a while so there's going to be a time in maybe like 2025 where there's kind of a gap in movies and shows and that and i'm fine with that that's okay uh hopefully people are treated better hopefully better compensated a lot of what they're doing these days with a writer specifically is they used to so they would hire a writer on for a show and that writer would just be around and would be available um to do edits and stuff like that now they kind of it's almost more mercenary. They they hire them on like, hey, we want you to write 
these scenes, then go away. And we want this guy to write these scenes and go away. And then they're they're not kept on retainer, which, you know, I, I think it makes for a lesser product. And then uh, actors, generally, I, I would hope this would just give an opportunity for more people to dedicate to the craft. And maybe we'll see some better talent come out of the whole situation if they're able to be treated better and be supported better and be compensated better. Um, and honestly, I I don't mind that we have a gap in entertainment coming because I think there's too much stuff in the world anyway, and a lot of it's not that great. I'm also hoping the industry takes this time to kind of look at itself, like we were discussing earlier, and kind of rein in budgets and when I say rein in budgets, I, of course, don't mean pay actors and people less. I mean, rein in production costs, rein in marketing costs. Do you really need, does your movie really need that Super Bowl ad time slot? Do you need to be on every primetime ad time slot? Do you really need that? You know, things like that. Yeah, I, I, def I definitely agree with you on all those points. I wonder if it's, you know, uh, I feel like they might lose they might win the battle, but I wonder if they'll win the war. And I really feel that you're kind of, well, they're kind of fighting the tides on this. And the, uh, the, the strikers or the, yeah, in general, because like a lot of this technology with like AI, like some actors have come out and said like, Hey, I have no problem with you using my likeness after I'm dead. You know, I think Tom Hanks was one of them who said like, yeah, why not? You know, if I'm dead, you can use like a, an AI version of me. So he'll live on forever and do movies for the next 400 years. I have no idea. Yeah. So, you know, there are some actors who will say like, oh, I love this technology. It's the best thing ever. Um, and there are other actors or writers who are like, no, this is the worst thing ever. I definitely don't want this. And I think eventually they'll get their, their way in the short term. But I think in the long term, they'll definitely have to figure out how can I adapt to this new technology like how can i use this to my benefit um and maybe like an actor they'll have their likeness recorded but it'll be their job to like direct their likeness i have no idea yeah um, i think but, if they did something like that it would really have to be negotiated so, yeah definitely so like the first one i can think of where they really did that uh was in star wars rogue one uh, the actor who played grand moff tarkin back in the original movies has passed away. Grand Moff Tarkin is in that movie, so they uh, they AI'd his likeness. And, it, and you know, it, it's a little uncanny valley, but it works pretty well. That kind of made sense. But, like, if you have, like, AI Tom Hanks playing new roles, that's, that's taking a job from another actor. Yeah, it, I think it is kind of uncanny. I think it is a bit weird. I mean... Who knows? In fifty years, it, oh, I'm sure it'll be much better. Yeah, it'll be much better as it always is. You know, think about the internet thirty years ago and and how terrible that was and how good it is now. So it's just it's really just a matter, just a question of time. You know how how good all this gets. And I guess a, a final point is, you know how ethical is that? Because I believe what was it like Coachella? Is that what it, what it's called? Like the 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 music the big festival. Music festival. Yeah. Where they had Tupac as a hologram, I believe. You know? Um, like, how ethical is it to use people with or without their permission, you know, after they're, they're, uh, they're gone? 
you know like so many unanswered questions like so many uh like difficult topics and i don't think it's anything you're gonna solve within the next like year or two but yeah. we'll see how uh, it develops uh anyway. a final 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 note i okay. wanted to make we're, <laughs> final, we're, gonna final, keep final. Trading, we're gonna keep trading <laughs> up on these uh ultimately i believe the power is in uh especially for the the writer and actor strikes they're in their hands mm. they're the creatives they're the artists uh ultimately the studios are mostly just the money people and if they could just make the movies themselves they would and clearly they can't so yeah I, i'm feeling good about the strikers yeah i am too so let's all wish them the best of luck and hope everything works out in their favor so all right so on a final 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 point thanks so much for <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for listening and uh well i'll see you in the next one all right bye everyone <laughs> bye We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it was informative and that we were able to expand your worldview, even if only just a little. Welcome feedback, comments, and constructive criticism. If you'd like to provide us with any, please reach out to us at our Discord or email address, both of which will be listed in, in the description. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.